And at that very moment, I wanted to be better than what I knew my trajectory at that time had for me. Every moment that I get, I thank those guys, not just those two, but many others who just led the way for me, gave me different perspectives uh, because of their upbringing, because of their experiences. And I, I mean it, man. My friends, they, they raised me, man. Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com. Thanks for tuning in to Building Ideas. This is Bill Baker. We're glad you joined us today. This is our annual holiday episode, end of the year, the last broadcast of 2023. It's been a great year as we've readjust to a monthly schedule. I'm spend a little bit more time with our guests, get to know them, and today's guest is a great way to end out what I think is a fantastic year. He is a Cincinnati native, hails from the Avondale part of town, a proud community in the north central part of the city. Those of you who've been to the Cincinnati Zoo or near University of Cincinnati, you are likely in and around or have gone through the great community of Avondale. He is a serial entrepreneur. He owns everything from a barber shop to festivals to nightclubs and has helped curate a powerful art exhibition here at the Cincinnati Art Museum. So welcome to today's exceptional person, one of my favorite people that I've met in 2023 and gotten to know. Ricardo Grant, a.k.a. Rico. The great, the powerful, Ricardo Grant. Welcome to Building Ideas, my friend. I'm glad to be here, man. Oh, I'm so excited you I'm came I'm glad to down. be here. So, we all know you, at least those of us here in Greater Cincinnati and yeah. beyond. Tell me your journey. How did you get to where you are? I know you're a Cincinnati kid who's done well. Yeah. Let's go on the, let's go on the journey. Yeah, Cincinnati kid, um, grew up in Avondale. I say that with pride. Um, you know, that neighborhood is a neighborhood full of history. My grandmother lived in the house that she lived in until she passed for 68 years, man. Mm. My family home, she still owns that house. One of those big 10-bedroom, two families. You can't even find those things anymore. Just wrapped right around the corner from the Cincinnati Zoo. Hard-working parents, had some struggles, but always found a way to put their kids in the best position to win. So when you talk about the journey, I give a lot of credit to those who who backed me, those who raised me, those who disciplined me, those who were patient with me as a young man, young boy, growing into a man trying to find his way. So, you know, now when I think about the journey, as you said, you know, watching my mom light up during the exhibition the other night, mm-hmm. watching her bring her friends, that's, you know, it's the reward of the journey. Wasn't always easy, but worth it. So Avondale kid grew up in Cincinnati. Yep. I know we've talked, you took a little bit of a different path to come back home. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that part of your journey when you left and did some things and ultimately yeah. came back to the Queen City. So I moved around quite a bit, just trying to find it, you know, kind of co-op style mission work in DC, a little bit in Atlanta as well early on. And then LA for a couple of years over the course of say a decade or so been back focused on Cincinnati fully since 2017 Mm -hmm. and it's been exceptional opportunity here 
And what I've done is, you know, my work is deeply rooted in doing everything I can to not only elevate myself, but elevate the city. Mm-hmm. A lot of that work is for people who look like me, mm-hmm. right? We understand that. But what I do with Palooza Noir, Black and Brown Faces and Juneteenth Block Party, but even more so just young, high-energy corporate professionals, creatives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, risk-takers who, you and I talked about this, we would, mm-hmm. we would lose. We would lose to other places. So a lot of the work that I've created is me taking bits and pieces from other places that I've existing in, things that I love. We'll take the bar, for example, the new, the new institution, Love, down the street. You know, built that with the format of places that I visited across the country. Mm-hmm. Park in D.C., Eden in Tampa, Persona in Chicago. How do we create that energy here? I know people want it. Mm-hmm. We travel to go get it. So I've, uh, I've just sort of found out what I liked and started creating here at home. I don't know if I would create these things if I lived anywhere else. I think it's mm-hmm. the passion of the city that fuels me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's got this sentimental mood to me, forces me to build. I am addicted to building things. Mm-hmm. I tell friends, told friends opening weekend, chill out for a couple of years. I'm like, sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's not happening. Sure. That's not you know? happening. So that's a part of the journey as well. You know, you've talked about your parents and the influence. We've had those conversations. Who are some people along this journey who really stood out to you, who had a moment and influence you observed them that really helped you aspire to where you are or set you on the right path? Yeah, Bill, I don't really have childhood friends. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a sad thing to say. Uh, I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. I had a challenging childhood. You Mm -hmm. know, my parents and I have an exceptional relationship and they're, they're okay with me being open about some of their struggles that hindered me in a way early on. But mm-hmm. both parents, you know, addicted to drugs and alcohol and um, moved around. I went to 11 schools before the eighth grade, bro. <sighs> moved around wow. Toledo, Columbus, Cincinnati. Wow. Mostly with my, my mother just trying to find her way. Mm-hmm. And we celebrated her sobriety anniversary two weeks ago. That's awesome. And, um, my, all my siblings were there, and it's just a beautiful experience and all the people that she's touched along her journey mm-hmm. over the last three decades mm-hmm. uh, as she's embarked on a, a clean and sober journey. And, and the reality is, is that I, you know, I don't take those moments for granted, but when you think about the individuals, at, going back to your question, I tell them I was raised by my friends mm-hmm. that I met at the university level. You know, one of my best friends in the world, Travis Holloway, super successful tech guy, lives out in L.A. now. We grew up very different. He grew up in Cleveland. I grew up in Cincinnati. He grew up with a two-parent household. You know, the kid had every pair of Jordans, new Jordans that came out. Um, And I didn't know him as a child, but when we met in college, we connected almost instantly. And having friends like him and others, Rodney Williams, who founder of Listener, right, Mm -hmm. who uh, left Cincinnati, moved the company to the West Coast. But having guys like that that I met along the journey um, at the university level helped me explore opportunities that were bigger than my neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. before I met those guys, Bill, I had never been on an airplane, mm. ever, right? Those guys took me to D.C., Howard Homecoming, Rodney went to Howard University, first time at an HBCU, first time in a big city, first time on an airplane, and it just cracked my mind wide open. Yeah. And at that very moment, I wanted to be better than what I knew my trajectory at that time had for me. Every moment that I get, I thank those guys. 
not just those two, but many others who just led the way for me, gave me different perspectives uh, because of their upbringing, because of their experiences. And I, I mean it, man. My friends, they, they raised me, man. Mm. You know, they really did. That's powerful. Yeah. So you, you talk about the moment going on that trip, right, to Howard. And yeah. are there some other key trips that those guys helped other places you went and all of a sudden your mind was opened Yeah, and kind of helped contribute to that? Yeah, totally, yeah. My first time in New York City, Travis, who I spoke about earlier, he, he has strong family in Queens. Mm-hmm. And he left Cincinnati at post-graduation and moved to New York City. He was like, man, you got to come out here and visit me. I drove 11 hours, right? <laughs> Went out there, uh, dodge intrepid, barely barely made it. Got out there, and that was my first time. I just couldn't believe the energy. You know, it's funny because that was the first time I had saw young black hackers and hustlers who had been hacking through corporate America, who were entrepreneurs. Kind of rising quickly. First time I seen guys you know, pulling up at the hotel slamming their Porsche doors. I'm like, what are these guys doing? They look just like me, T-shirt, jeans, sneakers. Yeah. And it was all legit, and they were really, really getting after it, right? Mm -hmm. Business-wise, career-wise. And I thought to myself, well, I've got to have a piece of that. You know, my friends and I, we joke about this. The only reason I didn't leave Cincinnati to go to a place long-term is because my family needed me. So I had two brothers who were incarcerated for a very long time, younger brothers, both incarcerated in Ohio. Both are doing extremely well, yeah. one of which works works for me now. Awesome. Um, and the other is a, is a business partner of mine. And my mom, my parents, they just needed me here. And um, that's that's probably the only reason I didn't flee the city long, long term. I always kept the a stronghold on being back and forth. You're always here. And even when I was doing co-ops or extended stays somewhere, I was always coming back. And that probably played played a key role into me creating some of the things that I am here at home because without that connectivity, how would I have known about the opportunity? Mm -hmm. You know, you started this pandemic, right? Yeah. I think about friends that now are home because of the pandemic and going, whoa, this is fire. Yeah. This city is dope. It's great, isn't it? And uh, and I'm I'm glad that it didn't take me into 2020 to to open that up. Otherwise, some of the things that we have now probably wouldn't happen for three or four, five, six years from now. When did you, through this part of this journey, and we'll talk at some point about all your 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 things you're building constantly, and you've built. When did you start to realize, hey, I think Cincinnati can do this. I think I can do that here in Ohio, you know, the Valley here in this region. Yeah, you know, I've got to give credit to some folks who stayed down in this city for a long time. You talk about Macho Means from Black On, right? Means Cameron, close, close friend of mine. Two decades in in friendship, operate like brothers now. But, you know, him building what he's building, they're celebrating over, over a decade of success here in this town. I think when I start seeing those guys and young women doing the things that they're doing, it inspired me dramatically. Mm-hmm. I'm a visual person. Oftentimes, people don't notice about me. I've been tapped as a trailblazer, but the reality is, is t- most of the time, I don't do anything unless I see that it can be done. Yeah. The problem is, is that I see it elsewhere, and I think it can work here in our town and in our city from an elevation standpoint. So I just created, put my flavor on it, put my spin on it, 
mm-hmm. make sure that we put that Cincinnati twang on it because, you know, we don't really mess with anything that, that's not ours. It's a yeah. validation uh-huh. style city. But I think when I start seeing others who were young, innovative, cracked the code, it gave me a little confidence. Mm-hmm. So I got I to get credit to the Kick Lees and the Derek Brazils from Mortar and Billy, what they're doing with Cincy Nice and – and oh my God, Josh and Andrew, the guys over at Agar, mm-hmm. Ubon Fest, and Blink, and just cracked my head open. And I said, well, maybe, maybe I should be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And all those guys are my friends, and they encourage me and inspire me. I just keep it pushing, man. Yeah. That is awesome. Talk to me about the journey of the things you've opened. You came back, and we've talked a little bit, but I think for our listeners, you know, the progression you've gone through with the different steps and the different organizations, I just... I think it's just a fascinating story to see how you built all of these things. Yeah. I've got this tattoo on my leg. Remember the old movie Field of Dreams? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the whisper, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. If you build it, they will come. So that's tattooed on my leg. And um, the reality is I built things for me. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a barbershop in Avondale called Ebony Clippers, set at the uh, 3000 block of Vine Street. We call it Big Block, corner of Vine and Forest, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nearly the front door for the Cincinnati Zoo. That barbershop set there. My father, his best friend, owned that shop. His name was Marvin. Name is Marvin. First haircut there. And I grew up in that shop pretty much my whole life. I would sell sunglasses for them. I would sweep the floor. I would hear the conversations that happened amongst these grown men, right? And it was about boxing, and it was about politics, and it was about the Million Man March, and it was about all kinds of things. It was about gun violence and what happened last weekend in the neighborhood. And I thought to myself, this is a country club, right? That's what this is. It's hard. And not to take away from that, but what if this country club had incredible amount of diversity and thought, right? All the, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of arguing happens in a barbershop naturally. <laughs> Absolutely. It's respectful, but it's, it's arguments, right? Tyson should have won that fight. Holyfield should have won that fight. And I thought that, what if we put that together in a melting pot atmosphere? And that's what Galleria Gumbo is, man. Mm-hmm. That's what the barbershop that we own and operate on the corner of 13th and Main, that's what it is. So really, I'm kind of just building things that I want to feel, mm-hmm. right? You talk about cinema, for example, Bar and Lounge. It's it. a place that I want to go to. I grew up on House Party, Five Heartbeats. Boomerang, Love Jones, those films mm-hmm. created me, created the way I dress, created the way I talk, the way I approach people. And I just want to always be surrounded around that. So I wanted to create a space and I learned, oh my God, other people love this as well. That's why we created that. You create love, for example, because I felt I wanted to put clothes on, really nice clothes, mm-hmm. and have a night out on the town after dinner water bottle service, enjoy myself. We've done well. We're celebrating. It's my birthday. It's Mm -hmm. New Year's Eve. And I I just wanted to create a place that I felt in Chicago, that I felt in Tampa, Mm -hmm. that I felt in other places around the country. So it's really just for me, Mm -hmm. selfishly, literally. And I realized that, oh, everybody likes this. Everybody loves this. Everybody wants this. And um, we've been great benefits of the support of the city 
just embracing our outside the box ideas. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the exhibition just opened up. Yeah. You know, we're real excited for that and what it does for the city. And this is the third iteration. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that vision and how that came about. Um, Cause I think it's a really important yeah. thing for our city and for our region. Yeah. 2020 post-March 2020, I, I became a kid again, Bill. I, I would sit and I would imagine it gave me the opportunity to truly just like sit down. I had been running for years trying to hustle and hack and find ways to be innovative and grow as an individual in my career, whatever the case may be. March 2020, through that summer, we all had to just sit. Yep. Okay? During that time frame, I had a very young organization, Palooza Noir, that we had just started the previous year. Palooza Noir owns the Juneteenth Black Party mm-hmm. as well as Black and Brown Faces. Neither one of those things existed. We set out to build the, the company, the organization, to build a conference here in Cincinnati that catered to black entrepreneurs, black corporate professionals, and black creatives. It was going to be the first of its kind in a country where everybody can come together because we're multifaceted people, mm-hmm. right? We executed it in 20, August of 2019. Great success, a couple thousand people. A friend of mine came in, keynoted, Daytuan Thomas, editor-in-chief of Vibe Magazine in New York City, came in. We banged up job. Had a fantastic time. And we thought, this is it. We'll just grow it and grow it and grow it. And then pandemic happens oh. and <laughs> puts a stop <laughs> on people getting together, especially several thousand. And while sitting, I started to imagine about the other things that we needed, that we can leverage the pool of people that had been supportive and had felt the need to want something advanced. Black and brown faces came out of that imaginary mindset. Mm -hmm. The idea started really small. Let's call three CDC urban sites, get a small building, empty space, NOTR, have some artists produce some pretty cool artwork, plaque it on the walls, have people come down, do it over the weekend. The issue with that is that I've got a big mouth. So I start sharing with people what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And Alicia Kittner from Arts Wave, her and I had had some previous conversations just about life and the state of the city and possibly working together. And she was like, hey, I want to introduce you to Cameron up at the Cincinnati Art Museum. He might like this idea. Between Alicia and Cameron, Black and Brown Faces was able to scale and blow up. When I called Cameron, I didn't know anything about art at all outside the fact that I liked it on my walls. Mm-hmm. Cameron goes, Rico, exhibitions are not a weekend long. Exhibitions are three months long or maybe more. And we hosted the first Black and Brown Faces at the Cincinnati Art Museum because of the power of that partnership. Mm. Arts Wave, Cincinnati Art Museum, Palooza Noir as the community organizer. And we were able to build what we thought at the time was one of the most incredible exhibitions ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. But you talk about doing it three years later, the exhibition now sits in a space that Picasso's work just was removed from. Yeah. 
Center stage. That is wild. Center for gallery. 15 living Midwestern black and brown artists who are here, who have their families and their children looking at their artwork placard on those walls at a scholarly institution like that. It's just been absolutely dynamic. I made this statement. All the things we got going on, love, cinema, gallery at Gumbo, Juneteenth, Block Party, black and brown faces is my favorite my personal favorite because of the impact on the actual creatives mm-hmm. watching them fold in that space, knowing what it's going to look like. They created it. They packaged it up. They, they sent it off. We get it on the walls and it's just the definition of dope, bro. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm going to use that as the tagline. For the definition of dope. The definition of dope. <laughs> you know, I know another thing that you and your company are involved in is running the Juneteenth celebration. Yeah. And, you know, it's such an important day in American history, obviously, for African-American community. Talk a little bit about the inspiration for that event. Um, And, you know, some of our listeners may not be aware of the significance of that day and and that holiday. Just talk about kind of why you decided to do that here in Cincinnati, in your hometown. And what do you see the vision for that to be? Yeah. When we first started it, you got to think about June 2020. We had been weeks prior to that, I mean, protesting. COVID was running crazy. The disparities in the black and brown community, we Mm -hmm. knew that that was a thing. And tension was at an all-time high. We had watched, in my personal opinion, one of the most horrific acts on video ever Mm -hmm. in the George Floyd murder. Yeah. Right? And I knew we needed to do something to allow for people to let their hair down and relax, even if it was only for an evening. Juneteenth was something that in my neighborhood growing up, we always celebrated. There was always a picnic or block party at the park down the street from my grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. As a child, it was just a time for me to get out and play tag and hang out with friends and eat popsicles. But over the course of time, I started to understand the significance of it. I'm an Africana studies minor. Mm. So I had a professor at the University of Cincinnati, Dr. Earl Wright, who taught me a lot. He took a liking into me. I took a liking into him. And I really started to educate myself through his, through his learnings and through his inspiration about where I come from and my culture. And it meant a lot to me. I, I, I kind of paired the two, right? I called the team. We planned that first block party in four days. <laughs> <laughs> I called DJ Primetime. I called JC and Anthony over at Revel, the yeah. Urban Winery, who I had a relationship with. And I said, yo, and I got on LinkedIn and I said, somebody's got to punch me in with the folks from Urban Sites. I don't know them. This is a true story. I got on LinkedIn. I put a blast out there with my phone number. I get a message back 45 seconds later from Greg Olson from Urban Sites. Really? He goes, hey, call me. I call him. We needed parking lots. They own the lots around there in OTR on Walnut Street, off of Walnut Street. And we did it. We put DJ Primetime on the roof of Revel. (laughs) Lantana, local artist, came out and performed. And it was super ad hoc. Everyone was masked up. Everyone was able to social distance. And it was a great time. It was like 500 people, Bill. Uh-huh. That's it. 
on a four day, but on a quick four day. On tournament. a quick four day, <laughs> that's I had pretty buddies. good. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a funny story, man. Josh Staley, shout out to my brother Josh. Um, he's at Rooted Creative. Mm-hmm. He walks up to me at the Juneteenth block party with an envelope. It had like, I don't know, like two hundred and thirty-seven dollars in there. That he he was at dinner with friends and he just collected money so that we can brought it over. I mean, these are allies. He's a great dude too. They're doing some great Incredible. stuff. Incredible. Yeah. Michael Malay and those guys. These are allies. I called Josh. Over at Agar, said, yo, we need some staging. Noah came out. They start dropping banners and doing all of these things. The funny story about Josh, I called Josh. I think he was in Miami or something. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I said, hey, Josh, I got, um, I want to do this Juneteenth block party. Whatever you need, whatever you need. I said, all right, cool. You know, he said, I'll have Noah take you to the warehouse and show you around and you can take whatever you need. But when is it? I said, it's Friday. <laughs> he said, what? I said, it was a Monday. I said, it's, I got four days. But to watch that thing grow to where it is now, we hosted 15,000 people. How awesome. At the Juneteenth block party last year. But the cool story about it is how we got from OTR to the banks. Yeah. I was super hesitant because I love OTR. I love OTR. And the banks is big. It's a big footprint. It's fast. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if we're ready for that. Karen Forgus and Phil Casolini convinced me to do that from the Cincinnati Reds, from our yeah. Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. They called me out of the clear blue, didn't know either one of them, and said, hey, you the guy that does the Juneteenth block party? We want you to come down here and meet with us. That's, that's this city, man. Mm-hmm. That's the collaboration efforts of our sporting team owners and our big corporations getting behind things that matter. Mm-hmm. We took it down there. We did 5,000 people. It was absolutely incredible. Then we grew to 10, now 15, with every expectation to host twenty to 25,000 people in that footprint this next June. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely incredible. Big party, great dancing, great family event. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely incredible. We're excited to have it here. I'll bet. Yeah. So in your journey of life, one of the things we talk about is inspired experiences. What are some places, journeys, experiences, buildings, cities, what are some places you've visit, visited over the years in your life that have really inspired you? You know, D.C., uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll go back and forth with D.C. and Tampa as my favorite cities outside of the city of Cincinnati. Uh-huh. D.C. is a special place for me. I want to go to law school. Played around with getting a JD MBA at Howard University. Um, Go Bison. Yeah. Did, went through the whole Gantt, uh, LSAT, the whole nine yards. Uh, my buddy Travis, we always joke about. Uh, he, we studied for the LSAT together, and he, he's got a common joke, and I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, law school, the best decision we never made, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because, you know, we really enjoy doing what we do now. Yeah. D.C., in the 90s, they called it Chocolate City. And it was this place where people of color did really, really well. You know, it was a place where, you know, you sit on a train with your briefcase and you're one of seven African-American lawyers. Not many cities have that component. It's also because of the density. D.C. is only 10 square miles. You got the DMV, obviously, but. But it's pretty small. I mean, it's, it's a small place. City. It's a district. Yeah. It's a district. And um, I just saw the way. Diversity thrived in that place, even though cohort different cohorts of people were flourishing. 
everybody connected and worked together, mm-hmm. right? I love that. I love going into a happy hour setting and feeling the energy of diversity, meeting people from around the world. It's been a big motivator for me to sort of mimic that energy that they have there. One of the biggest compliments we had from opening weekend of love, kind of a compliment and not so great of a feeling as well. But the number one thing we heard was, man, this does not feel like Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And my, my response was, but it is. Yeah. This is our city, man. Yeah. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And look out for more of that because I'm definitely not the only one. You have great people doing great things. That city energized me in a way that I had never felt before. From a service standpoint, and I'm big on service, uh, this past two years, I had the luxury of traveling to Europe. I had never been to Europe. And I just love the way, from a hospitality standpoint, that you're treated when you're in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. I visited Paris last Christmas, mm-hmm. visited Italy in May, and um, just absolutely dynamic of how regalize you feel mm-hmm. when you're in a place and you're spending your hard earned money or you're experiencing something. So I mimic a lot. I've got notepads mm-hmm. of a lot of the things that I've experienced in those parts of the world and that part of the country in DC. And, um, I think our city is, we're on our way, man. Yeah. We are on our way. What do you see when you look ahead? Here and in the region, when you look ahead 10 years, what do you see? I think we're going to be popping, man. You know, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who's going to Nashville this weekend for a bachelorette party. Of course, right? Isn't that what they do down there? And she goes, I said, what are you doing this weekend? She goes, I'm going to Nash Vegas. I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) Which one are you going to? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and, And 10 years ago, I thought Nash, I went down to Nashville, watched the Sweet 16 several years ago. One of my closest friends, Sean Kilpatrick, played basketball at UC. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a place that I wanted to live. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a desired spot. I think we're on our way. You know, we've got great arts and culture. We've got great entertainment value. Fantastic food. Yeah. Right? We hit way above our weight right? class in food. Way above our weight way class. Way above our weight class. Right? Yeah. And you know a thing that I'm hearing a lot from friends who moved to Cincinnati is that, you know, as Cincinnatians, myself who grew up in this city, you've been here a long time. You know, we, <laughs> this, this is that time of the year where you're like, man, it's cold, man. Oh, gray. Here comes right? the gray. <laughs> I know. A lot of my friends, a lot of, lot of the transplants, they like the four seasons. Mm-hmm. They really enjoy the four seasons. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that we take for granted. So I think we're on our way. We've got some great business leaders here who are really doing a deep dive into how they can be supportive. That's a big point. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Amy Spiller, who's doing some great work, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I, I just love that. I love the fact that folks are doubling down on our city, arts and culture leaders, entertainment leaders, the political landscape, I think, is in a really healthy spot. Absolutely. You know, I think it's really in a healthy spot. I'm really pleased to be a part of it and do yeah. my part. Small part, but I'm, I'm pleased to be a part of it. That's awesome. 
you know, one of the things we also talk about is enduring impact. Yeah. So beyond Rico, the entrepreneur, the influencer, the man, <laughs> just stepping out of your industry and your experiences, what advice would you give to someone else as kind of a business guru or a life guru on how to have an enduring impact? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I've never been asked that question, but it, you know, this response is um, personal, mm -hmm. if you will. I used to be really focused on perfecting things, like dramatically focused on before I release this to the world, it's got to be perfect. Mm -hmm. What I've learned in my industry, specifically with the bar industry, the old Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, mm -hmm. right? You think about love, for example. I, um, I sat there and I'm talking to my chief operating officer, Brandy Cruz, phenomenal, like a sister to me. I said, man, I can't believe I own this. This is beautiful. The plant orchestration, the music, the paint on the walls, the flooring. And I realized how beautiful it is. And then you let 300 people in and it's the dynamic changes mm -hmm. dramatically. We're set, we're set in the space for almost four months solo by ourselves. But the reality is, is that had I tried to perfect that thing, because I look up at the wall and I say, wait, that's not exactly where I want it. That's not exactly how I'd like for it to ha have it. These six plants are in. The back bar top isn't ready to go. But we've <laughs> got to release it to the world to truly know what it is. Yeah. So I would say from those who are building a small business, trying to manage and maintain a certain level of impact, you got to get it out there. Yeah. And it can grow and develop into exactly what you want it to be. But if you try to perfect it out of the gate, you will hold on to it so long that it can't touch anyone. It can't release. It won't release to anyone, right? Your plan on paper is just your plan on paper. You've got to build it. You've got to build it and you've got to release it. And I think that is really, really important when you're building things to have an impact or you're building things, even if you're just doing it to drive revenue mm -hmm. and to, and to make money, Whatever it is, as long as it's positive, I'm okay with you doing that. You should be okay with you doing that, but you got to open it up mm. and you got to let people feel that energy. Otherwise, it's just going to be an idea. Mm. And I think I've learned from that. It's annoying as hell. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it really is. Oh. And it's nerve wracking and I get nervous every single day. Uh -huh. But um, if you build things with love, it'll come back. When did you figure that out? When did you realize that? Yesterday. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. A few days into love's new opening, right? No, it's a it's a constant yeah. um, learning for me. I'm a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form, but I'm very spiritual. I believe in those things, and I manifest, and I talk to myself, and I constantly am trying to paint a picture as to how far I can go with things and reinstilling confidence in myself. And I've got a support, great support group, but I have my days of defeat. Yeah. I have my days of, damn, I could, I just, I could just go get a job, man, you know? And, and, um, and even though I have one, right. I teach at NKU, I teach entrepreneurship at NKU. 
through a program called SoCap Accelerate. But the reality is, is that this work is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to, I, 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 I sent over the Will Smith book mm-hmm. to yeah. you. And, and I, I'll be honest, man, and I'll share this with you. That book saved me. Mm. That book saved me from getting into my own head and feeling defeated all the time. Mm-hmm. Some of the life lessons that Will went through, I understood, and I've been through. We have a lot of similarities outside of a few hundred million dollars, right? No. We've got a lot of similarities. Right now. And, and you a, never in know. a strong right hand. Right? <laughs> I <laughs> think you're on left. the up there, my friend. I, <laughs> but, I wouldn't doubt you. <laughs> but the reality is, one of the things that he says in that book that I love, he goes, he talks about vows. Mm-hmm. And most people, when they say that word, they're talking about the institution of marriage. Mm-hmm. The way he puts it is vowing to do anything. None of us vow to do the easy thing. And he says this, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, nobody vows to say, I vow not to eat dessert four nights a week, right? I vow not to run five miles every day. The vow comes from doing the hard things, right? The vow comes from, is rooted in knowing that there will be a storm and there will be trying times, and the work that the, the thing, the very thing that you're vowing to or vowing for is hard mm-hmm. and sometimes can feel impossible. That hit me in a place that I had never, and I tell people all the time, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Mm-hmm. Everybody would be doing it. Take pride in doing some of the hard things. Mm-hmm. There's power in that. When you read that, I want to talk to you more about it, but that's, those are lessons that I'm just, I'm not willing to let go of. You know, it is on my bedside Mm -hmm. and it is my Christmas. Like when I check out of here on the Mm -hmm. 21st, I'm going to have it done by the new year. So we're going to get together. The audio is good too. It's in his voice. He reads it. it. Yeah. He reads it. He reads it. I'm really excited to listen to it because I've been a big fan for. He's incredible. To my day as the Fresh Prince, right? When I was in high school and college and to watch his progression and honesty mm-hmm. about challenges he's had in his life and yeah. obviously in recent years, sure. but you know, that's life, right? You hit the, it always hits you in the face, but how you work through it and process it and reinvent yourself constantly. So I'm excited to read it. For yeah. You. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I've read it four or five times, man. You really? Yeah. I can almost recite nearly four chapters. The chapter that you're going to love the most mm-hmm. is the Nelson Mandela chapter. Mm. It is, uh, it is absolutely powerful while he was filming Ali I know those are figures that you love oh, yeah, and that you've learned about. So uh, I can't wait for you to check it out, bro. Have you seen the movie Invictus? Oh, my God. Unbelievable. That, I, I, my son and I watched it recently. Unbelievable. It. And one of, because I remember when that was happening, right? Mm-hmm. I remember that was, I was in, I think my 20s then. Yeah. And didn't know it was happening. Yeah. And so it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, yep. How do you get out of the low spots when you feel like you've hit a, you and I are similar in that way. At times you get down on yourself and you're trying to push through. Mm-hmm. What do you draw upon to kind of push through that and continue to go? Prayer is always a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. I pray, I pray more than, uh, than I used to. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. I'm 38 now, not an old guy, not a young guy. My frat brothers called me a midhead, <laughs> not an old head, not a young guy, but you're a midhead. I said, well, that's cool. As long as I can stay here for another decade and a half, I'll, I'll continue to be that. But to the point of books and reading, I find 
great relief in knowing that I'm not the only one going through something. I don't listen to new music hardly at all. I'm constantly listening to a podcast series. I'm constantly uh, digging into some of the greats and their learnings and being inspired by them and not just listening to the try the, the stories about when they won, but the stories about when they failed. I had, you know, when we were getting ready to open the, the new place, Love, completely exhausted, depleted, probably eight pounds heavier than I was the month before because I'm not working out, I'm not eating right, and those things take a toll on you. And I picked up Rich Paul's book, LeBron's Agent, mm. right? Cleveland Kid. Mm-hmm. His book is called Lucky Me. It's probably the reason why I decided to listen to it. Um, and I listened to it on Audible in his voice as well. Strongly recommend for anyone. And he talked about some of the things that he went through during his childhood, obviously, growing up in Cleveland, but how he applies some of the hard things that he went through in life to some of the hard things that he's going through now and how those lessons have equipped him with the armor and the strength to not only protect himself, but to go to war if needed, mm-hmm. to endure a tough day, a tough task, the impossible. And those things really, really charge me up. Mm-hmm. I listen to them constantly. I'm driving to them. I'm working out to them. I'm, 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 they're always in the background while I'm working. And sometimes knowing that you're not the only one who has experienced this can provide you some relief. Mm-hmm. I also am a massive fan of therapy, mm-hmm. right? Go to therapy once a month. And it's important for me to do that kind of self-work as well, because we've all got traumatic things that we've experienced, whether Absolutely. we've shared them or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we're in a good place. Last month was uh, men's mental health month. It doesn't get the recognition that other things do, but I take those things incredibly serious. That's how I do it. And I'm continuously finding ways to relieve myself of uh, my own Mm self-pressure. I'm real hard on myself, man. I'm my toughest critic. I lose sleep over the smallest infraction, the smallest mistake, and that's unhealthy. So I'm constantly trying to find ways and evaluate who I am and what I can do to be well. If, the, if I'm not well, the work will not be well. Mm. That's a fact. So that's what I'm focused on. That's good stuff. Yeah. Now, a lot of what you do is design things. Mm-hmm. Experiences, events, relationships. Tell me about what you believe about the power of design. What does that mean to you? Yeah, you know what? Um, Oftentimes, we those who are not in perhaps maybe the world that you live in from a work standpoint, yeah. we, we think of design as, you know, I, I jazzed up my apartment mm-hmm. or I, it is design. I, it, it is, is design. It it's is. All design. It is. It is. It totally is. Or I, I ordered a gazebo for the backyard. And one of the, one of my favorite movies is um, a movie called something new. You familiar with this? No, I don't think so. It's got Sanaa Lathan in it. And the actor, his name is escaping me. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. All right. You know it. Everybody knows it. I'll know it when I look it up, won't I? Well, anyway, you will. But in the film, it's about a white guy who meets this beautiful black girl. 
she's real keen on marrying, getting married to an African-American man. This guy comes along. He's got the golden hair. Simon Baker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Know, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the actor. Simon Absolutely. Baker, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he comes along, and they meet, and he says, I'm an architect. And she goes, oh, that's great. Architect, right? Yeah. Maybe I can rock with this guy. <laughs> later, months later, they lose contact, and he shows up. She calls a landscaping company, and he shows up. And she goes, I thought you were an architect. You're a landscaper. And he goes, I'm a landscape architect. And that hit home for me because what I, what I, what I realized is that, to your word, the power of design can be applied across all functionalities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all functionalities, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about the barbers at my barber shop, the way they create artistry, design. It's design. It's design. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't normally think of myself as a designer, but again, at the top of this, I said, I'm addicted to building things. Oh, and yeah. I, I like to build, and, and I, I'm the guy, I can't walk into a building and go, that DJ booth goes there, those five sections go there, the bar goes here, the bar's gonna raise up off the ground, I want that to be gold. There's, there's power in that. And I joke around and say I'm one of the least creative people that I know, but I have to embrace my own level of creativity mm-hmm. and the fact that I, that, that I am a designer. Right. I also have to make sure that I'm strengthening my mental to know that while all of this is happening, that I am designing myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Self brand awareness mm-hmm. and things that go on in my own mind and with my own brand and how I put myself out to the world is a part of that design as well. Mm-hmm. Those things matter. I talk to a lot of kids about things that they put on social media or shouldn't put on social media. This yeah. is a, this, this is a self-design effect. I love that. I right? love that description of it. I never thought of it that yeah. way. Spot on. Yeah. So that's my that's my level of it. That's how I think about it. And that probably will grow and develop, but that's how I think about it. Yeah. That is awesome. There's a Jay-Z lyric. I'm a big Jay-Z fan. Uh-huh. Nobody built like you. You designed yourself. Mm. It's very powerful. Mm. And experiences those hard things, those wins, those successes, those losses, those relationships, they help design you. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the thing we can always control to design is ourselves. Mm. Yeah. You're dropping some good ones. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate you coming down. I know you this are awesome. a busy man. What's uh, a closing thought from you to those of who are listening on this podcast? You know, I'm... Um, I'm in this place right now, Bill, where I'm just grateful. That's my word. And it has been for several years, and it will continue to be. You know, I think about my parents get the front row seat as to what their son has been capable of. My grandparents are smiling from heaven, and I know that for a fact. But I'm just incredibly grateful, bro. Mm -hmm. And I would... Leave anyone listening to know that there's power and gratefulness, no matter what you got going on, no matter how crazy and how busy life gets. We got to be grateful, man. And we've got to thank those who have helped us along the way. We've got to thank ourselves. Snoop Dogg did a Grammy speech where he goes, I want to thank me. <laughs> and I, I want to thank me for not sleeping. I want to thank me for working hard. I want to thank me for being uh, challenging myself. And I think, I think those, there's power in that, man. So 
if I left listeners or anybody with anything, and even as I walk out of the doors today to remind myself how incredibly fortunate I am to do this work, how incredibly blessed I am, and pairing that with the level of gratefulness that I can take back to my team, charge them up, and let them know we're ready for another weekend, we're ready for another week, we're ready for another quarter, whatever that may look like, embarking life in that way. That's what I, that'd be my final thought. Mm. Yeah. Mike, drop. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for coming on down, yeah. and I look forward to getting to all your places here soon. Yeah. And seeing the great impact you're having on our community. It'd be good. Thanks, thank Bill. You. Appreciate thank you, bro. Perfect. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. Hope that was good for you. Oh, it's perfect. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA Design, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com.